Hello, listener, and welcome to another one of our podcasts. My name is Toby Webb, and I'm with Anna Chilton today, who works for a company called Camellia. And we're here in London at Camellia's offices, and we're going to talk about sustainable agriculture and particularly about wine and the lessons that wine has, the wine industry has for, for other agricultural commodities, and generally about sustainability in wine. So, welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thank you so much, Toby. It's very nice to be here. So you're the sustainability manager at Camellia, and I'm sure many of our listeners haven't heard of your company, although you are quite significant in, in certain areas of agriculture. So just quickly, tell us a bit about what the company does. Well, Camellia PLC is uh, an international conglomerate, but most of our operations are agricultural, and uh, of that, most of it is tea, tea production. Uh, so I think in 2018, we were set to become the largest privately owned tea producer in the world. And we operate in uh, places around the world such as India, Bangladesh and Africa, and in Africa, Malawi, Kenya. And um, as, as well as growing tea, um, we also have operations in other agricultural interests such as um, avocados and macadamias, for instance. We've got citrus fruit in uh, California. And then also uh, within all of that, that lovely matrix, we do have some... Um, non-agricultural operations in the EU of food service and distribution, uh, for instance, in the UK. And we do have a winery in South Africa. So it's a small percentage of our business, but uh, it's a very interesting operation. And the operation is called Linton Park Wines, uh, and it's based in Wellington. Okay, well, I think we should talk about tea in another podcast, as we discussed earlier, because there's so (laughs) much to talk about with tea. So we'll plan that separately and come back to it. But for this one, let's talk about about wine, because you're studying to be a master of wine, which I think is it's not unfair to say it's the um, probably the hardest academic and practical qualification I've ever come across in in, uh, in any area. Um, I think the pass rate is something like four percent or something, and there's only sort of four hundred masters of wine in the world. Is that right? That's right. Something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a very stringent um, qualification which you've been working on, and of course you then have this wine business. So Tell us your thoughts on where we are, we're at with sort of sustainability in wine, and then perhaps a bit later we can talk a bit about the, the South Africa work particularly. Yeah, of course. Well, the, the whole um, uh, question about what is sustainability comes up a lot, especially when I speak to people who are interested in wine and in the wine sector. And uh, I once had, I'll tell you an interesting story, I once had um, an intern who was 17 come to my office and she'd been doing the rounds and trying to understand what accounting is and what the other people in the office were doing. And then she came to see me and, uh, and I said to her, well, what do you know about sustainability? And she said, well, I know it's about recycling and things like it's good to grow, to, to grow trees. And I said, well, that's great, because when I was 17, I certainly didn't know that. And I, I thought to myself, what is the best way that I can explain it to her? And I said, well, you know how you need money to go out with your friends and maybe get a drink with your boyfriend or something like that. And uh, in the same way, uh, a company needs money. We need to make money and profit. And so that's what a business does. And in the same way as you, you may need your health uh, in order to be able to enjoy your money and you enjoy your time. If you were sick, you couldn't do anything. In the same way, a company or a business needs to be healthy. And that's especially true in agriculture. So plants, just like you and I, need water, sunlight, fresh air, and other aspects that are relevant to the health of those plants, but also a business needs to be healthy in order to survive sustainably, um, just like you and I do. 
And so that is usually, for me, the simplest way of explaining what sustainability is in a business context to people. And in, in wine, that's absolutely the case as well. Wine, which ends up in your glass, is made from uh, grapes, which grow from a vine. And the vine needs to maintain its health in order to be able to produce the grapes that we need to make wine from it. And um, what I often think about in terms of sustainability in wine, that makes it particularly interesting for me with the broader view of other agricultural products, is that we often talk about terroir when we drink wine. And despite the fact that the wine goes through all of these different processes in order to become the way that it is, in, in, in the sense that grapes are fermented, then they might spend some time in oak, then they might add some CO2 to, to, the, to the must because it will be a sparkling wine. Some wines are fortified. So, so the grapes actually undergo masses, masses of processes before they reach the glass. And yet this product, wine, which is in the glass, uh, reminds people somehow of the earth in which the, the, vines were, uh, the, the vines were growing and the relationship between the earth, uh, the soil and, and, the, um, and the roots are, are very significant in creating sen sensations of minerality in the finished wine. Mm -hmm. I know that scientifically there are many studies that disprove those, those ideas but it's still something that is very much talked about in, in the wine sector. And it's not unusual to find um, winemakers talk for hours about the types of soils that they've observed they have in their vineyards. And it's not something new. Precision viticulture, um, like precision agriculture, has existed in the viticultural context for many, 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 many decades, if not hundreds of years. And uh, it is a, an, an interesting side of wine that sets it slightly apart from perhaps other agricultural um, products. So we were talking earlier about lessons for the other areas that the wine sector might have. Given that you, you know you're off, often operating on smaller plots of land for wine, you have higher margins. There's this big focus on the vineyard, the terroir, the soil, the sense of place. And I think you were saying earlier that. that, that there's a lot to be learned about soil from, from the wine industry in other areas. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, the, the, the vine, um, we believe, originates, uh, or viticulture originated in, in, um, in, in the Mediterranean. Uh, so, for instance, Georgia has been identified as being one of the first places where, where viticulture was, um, uh, existed. And uh, in those places, there, there has historically not always been an abundance of water. So the vine has this unique, it's a, it's a, um, it has this unique quality to seek quite far and, and wide for water. So I think you, you, we were speaking about Bandol earlier, there you see schist soils which are very, um, very porous and friable. And the roots will dig down deep for sometimes 10 or I've heard even 20 meters down to find water. And so the, the vine can survive in, in relatively poor soils with a relatively low availability of water, but it does need a constant stream of water. So this ability to seek quite far for water has given the vine a unique relationship with soil and with the, the soil environment in which it is. The most famous study actually looks at this 
that's the study that was done in Bordeaux. Um, it looks at, at, at this aspect of water availability and the constancy of water availability to the vine to create a sense of quality in the finished wine. Um, and to some extent disproves the, the idea that the type of soil is what changes the quality of the wine, but in fact it is the water availability that the soil affords that creates the quality in wine. Um, and so this idea that soil will affect quality in wine has led to a lot of research and development done in this area in, in viticulture, as I don't know exists in any other uh, agricultural industry. And it's a unique body of knowledge that is accessible and available to other industries. And I believe because of the, the number of years that this research has been in existence and continues to be, there, there must be a great wealth out there of, of research into soil and different soil types and how they affect plants and long-lived perennials specifically. Okay, so if I'm someone not working in the wine industry but interested in soil health, because it is coming up the agenda in other areas of agriculture, not least because of erosion and you know, we've run conferences on agricultural technology and sustainability for a couple of years now and everyone's talking about cover cropping. You know, lots of stuff from the wine industry is coming into mainstream agriculture trying to save soils and prevent runoff. But if I'm, if I'm not in the wine sector and I'm listening to this podcast, where would I go to find out more lessons that the wine sector might have for, for whatever I'm working on? Well, any of the key universities, but even just to look online, uh, when I was researching soils for my the, for the th theory side of the MW, I find this area fascinating. Uh, it's by far and away the area I enjoyed the most in my studies, and um, just looking online at the amount of. What research. would you search for? I mean, you know, if you don't know the wine industry, which university? Which is there you'd recommend? Uh, Bordeaux soil. For, for example, um, is there somewhere in Bordeaux they, they would look at? Maybe Davis in the US okay. as well. Okay, University, um, yeah, Davis, University yeah, of California. That's right. Yes. Uh, also, I think the I don't know the name of it, but the university in South Africa. Okay. Will have a lot of on this specifically in relation to hydric drought, mm -hmm. because it's just like in California, it, it has been an issue from for, for many decades. Um, so I think the students would have researched specifically that aspect. Okay. But what other industries might say is that the vine has this unique quality of mm -hmm. digging quite far down yeah. uh, for water. Not not all uh, plants have, have that capacity. Yes, of course. Um, however, there is quite a lot of work done uh, on research in terms of the soil health and its relationship with uh, microorganisms and how what we call humus, which mm -hmm. is the, 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 the live matter, that is in the soil helps to prevent soil erosion. And uh, one, one person I spoke to, Jean-Pierre Moreau, who is quite a well-known winemaker in, um, in southwest of France, who has a biodynamic vineyard, um, he, he's been involved in a bit of research that looks at specifically the way that um, minerality might enter, sens sensations of minerality might enter the, into, into the wine via the roots. And he believes that it's actually the relationship between the microorganisms that exist on the vine roots, which feed off the um, carbohydrates that are in the roots, mm -hmm. and then produce a specific acid that breaks down minerals in the soil. And it's this um, symbiosis mm -hmm. between, between the two that help the vine take up the nutrients that might be in the, in those minerals which which become available through um, this micro the, the, the activity of the microorganisms so I think that's very interesting as well it's not mm. just the type of soil 
but the way that the live matter in the soil can help uh, create um, an, a better environment for the rooting system of the vine. And cover crops, of course, in terms of biodiversity, have been researched to, a, to the nth degree in viticulture. Um, one of the reasons for that is that they, they do introduce nutrients into the soil, but also because they prevent soil erosion. Um, but an interesting aspect that I, I believe other industries in, in agriculture are looking at, as well as, as viticulture, is polyculture. And there is a, there's a winery called Spear Farm in South Africa that are looking at this and how planting uh, different different crops in the same space can actually affect the vine and yeah. affect the other crops and the soil health over time. I think that's a really interesting aspect, especially for things like deforestation. Yes, absolutely. I was talking to somebody yesterday about this, actually, where they found that you can plant a coconut and, and oil palm next to each other, and they actually had a beneficial relationship because they had different mm -hmm. heights of the trees at the top, and it actually worked out to the benefit of both. But so many people have not done this. So there's a lot of experimentation to do. Yeah. Um, where would you like to see the sort of sustainability movement go in the wine sector? I mean, it's a difficult question to answer, I know, because what do we mean by it? Do we mean bottle weight? Mm -hmm. Do we mean um, you know, life cycle analysis of, of, of vineyard to, to consumer and end use? Or are we talking about organics and so on? But where, where do you want to see the, the industry moving in the next few years around sustainability? I think like everyone, it would be nice to have more clarity available for the consumer to see um, how how the wine is being made and what is going into the bottle. I believe that that, that, that there are quite, there's quite a lot of discussion out there about maybe a change in policy and in ingredient labeling and how that might affect the wine industry. Um, but aside on the, on the sort of environmental and social side, we are definitely seeing a trend towards um, more research and more understanding of um, how we can make our vineyards more sustainable from an environmental and social perspective. And there are many uh, wine bodies around the world that, that have now created their own um, government governing bodies that, that certify for, for sustainability. As, you, as we discussed earlier, in New Zealand, most vineyards are now, now certified sustainable. And the criteria for that certification will vary from country to country and perhaps over time it would be good if there was a consensus maybe from the OIV or another organization mm. about what the sustainability criteria could be and uh, maybe a more unified approach as to how um, those certifications are enforced in the different geographical areas. Uh, but also one thing that, that I, I, I think is really interesting is that Luckily, uh, viticulture has existed in affluent areas around the world historically and seems to be still the trend. Um, so human rights violations are not, not as common as, as in other crops, for instance, those in emerging markets. Um, however, social sustainability has been looked at with perhaps more rigor in South Africa than in other areas of the world. Mm -hmm. And and I, I see that to be a positive trend for 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 the wine industry to, to maybe consider also social sustainability as well as environmental. Um, it's an important agenda. Yeah. And increasingly with migrant workers uh, and, and the, the Modern Slavery Act, which we discussed earlier, it would be good to see that come into the discussion and into the broader discussion about, about sustainability and viticulture. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't think of a wine website I've been to that's talked about that mm. yet everybody you meet who's not doing mechanical harvesting which is for the cheaper wines 
is doing handpicking and they're doing handpicking with migrant workers. And often those are workers who come back every year for decades because they know the vineyard. But there's still very little conversations about those people, even if they are treated really well. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right, that's an interesting area for, for debate. The, uh, the transparency angle is very interesting, isn't it, for the wine industry? Because there's often less transparency in a bottle of wine than most many other food products. But then how do you actually change that? I mean, I guess there's a combination of technology and, and labelling, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have a QR code or a code you could type in. I suspect more people might be willing to do that with a bottle of wine than with, you know, I don't know, a bag of oranges, for example. There is this understanding amongst people who who love wine, um, but maybe don't know as much about it as as we, the wine geeks of this world, uh, that that wine is a is a natural product. Uh, so ingredient ingredient labeling on wine bottles may be quite confusing for consumers. And to go back to your point earlier about where do I want to see the sustainability agenda go in in, in wine, uh, again clarity. Uh, making sure that we are, as an industry, very clear about what what this all means. What is the difference between biodynamic, organic and sustainable? People often confuse the three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So finding ways to be really clear and and not intimidating to the consumers is going to be really important. And I think that that has to be kept in mind as well when it comes to ingredient Mm labelling. Are we going to scare people off by saying that this wine may have undergone a particular treatment? How do we make that clear to people without without it seeming as if the all wine is highly manufactured and 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 mass produced, which it, it which it isn't. Um, so I think I think that it, that will be very important to go back to your, to the point on social as well and and about what you mentioned in terms of the, the weight of the bottles and how they're transported. Mm. It's certainly true that it would reduce the carbon impact um, of the wine industry if we were to always bottle in market. Yeah. However, there is a social context here that has to be taken into account. If you take all of the wine that is bottled in South Africa, for instance, obviously that's the market that I know very well, so I'm using it as an example. Um, If you were to take all of the bottling out of South Africa, you would be reducing the number of people who would be working in wine. So you're taking jobs away from from that country that may may be in dire need uh, of of labor, of of availability of jobs. So there... Everything has to be weighed up in in a, in a, in a logical way. Um, so we have to think about the oh. environmental and social very much hand in hand, and create a narrative for that. Yeah, I mean there are some easy wins, though, of course. Um, readers of my wine blog will know I interviewed Olivier Jouin recently. He's a Burgundy producer, makes amazing wines, and I noticed he didn't mention it to him. But I noticed that one of his more recent bottles was a lot lighter than the others. And I said, how did this happen? He said, well, I looked at it and I thought, this is ridiculous. I think I can take a couple of hundred grams off a bottle. Yes. And still have it as the same safety, you know, integrity standard. So I did. And I asked him to describe the process. And he went to his bottle supplier and got them to change it. And he's a fairly small, he's a pretty small producer in Burgundy. Mm-hmm. And he managed to get, I think, a couple of hundred grams taken off his bottle weight. If you could do that for the million bottle producers... That's going to be a huge carbon saving. So I guess there are some easy wins out there for the wine industry. Are there any others other than bottle weight that you'd think of as easy wins to get started on? I think the usual processes that are are being used for for water management mm-hmm. in in many of the uh, the areas such as South Africa, for instance, with California. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've all heard of deficit irrigation and uh, drip irrigation is very prevalent. Um, that is an important system to put in place and, and um, 
uh, one of the reasons that often irrigation is not as effective as it could be is that it's not maintained that well. But if you could incentivize wineries to, to, to take a very sensible approach when it came to water management, mm-hmm. that would be really good. Also, energy use, um, maybe using green energy from the grid or... or generating your own. Yeah. Generating your own. At, at the at Linton Park Winery, for instance, we, we now have covered the, um, the cellar roof with solar panels. Mm-hmm. And we're finding that... that that it's it's reducing our, our use of electricity from the grid significantly um, and unfortunately we can't sell into the grid in South Africa I think over time those policies around the world will change mm. so even though it is a costly exercise to put solar panels in um, it isn't it, it is a good initiative and I think those countries where you can't sell into the grid at the moment the wineries shouldn't necessarily be discouraged because that that mm-hmm. will change okay thank you I and mean, there's a great a wine company in the States called Fetzer, who are big, mm-hmm. but they're doing a lot of sustainability stuff. I know the guy who used to run it, mm-hmm. the sustainability program, and uh, they, they, they're promoting this notion of regenerative agriculture. Is that something you've been hearing much about? I think it's another variant on the theme of organic, sustainable, natural biodynamic. Mm. Possibly we're just getting into too many, too many terms here for similar things, maybe. Well, there is also in France the, uh, the term... Um, uh, it's like reasoned agriculture, mm. agriculture raisonnée, and that 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 actually looks more at the 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 um, the fact that in the universities uh, in the eighties and 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 in the nineties and I believe still today, the viticulturists were taught to apply uh, chemical um, chemical interventions on a on a on a calendar um, by a calendar that is prescribed. And which meant that sometimes maybe we were not we were not using those agrochemicals in a reasoned way, meaning that there isn't always an observation, um, or that wasn't encouraged necessarily yeah. to use this process of observation of what yeah, is happening. Yeah, it was happening. more about you know, oh, it's it's Wednesday, time to dump some chemicals on, you know, because yes. that's what it says in the diary, rather than does the does the environment actually need it? But everyone understands that agrochemicals cost a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it is also um, a cost impact for the mm-hmm. winery. And of course, most agriculturalists try to use those interventions as little as, as possible. Uh, so I think there is there is undoubtedly a lot of observation going on and everyone is trying to use as little as they can. Mm. But I, 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 to, to, go, to answer your question, I believe that going forward with more um, biologically sound uh, interventions available to viticulturalists and, and winemakers, it, it, it makes sense that people should be taking more that the more reasoned approach to to viticulture and not just applying chemicals. Yes, um, I mean similarly with, with water. I listened to a podcast from a Vineyard Team in the States. They run this thing called Sustainability in Practice Certification. Yes, another wine sustainability certification. Yeah. The wine industry seems to have more certifications around the world than any other commodity I've ever come across. Um, and they did a podcast with the University of Davis, or University mm-hmm. of California Davis, however you pronounce it, and she was saying te- sensor technology in the next five years is going to plummet. So in five years' time, you'll be able to measure those elements, certainly with water, much more cheaply than you can today. Oh, and, or maybe with satellite um, technology, which is perhaps more prevalent in other areas like deforestation. Yes, in, in, yeah. um, it's getting cheaper all the time. Yeah. In the palm oil segment. And, and to talk about deforestation as well... Um, uh, they there is increasing research that is showing how forests and, and trees are able to support um, the ecosystem of the vineyard, not only because the the trees are it's nice to have trees around and, mm. and they look very pretty, but also because 
trees will uh, will safeguard a vineyard from from environmental aspects. Yeah. And we, we have increasing protect them from a lot of things. We have increasingly sh- extreme weather events around the world. So mm-hmm. against wind, against uh, extreme weather events that may be holding water in in that catchment Absolutely, area, yeah. and uh, and also harboring very important pests that may be continuing to keep a balance yeah beneficial species for example. beneficial species yes yeah. that's very true and, and listeners if you want to know more about that go to my wine blog sustainablewineblog.com listen to the interview i did with thomas duru uh, back in june this year of chateau palmer and you can see the pictures on the blog of the agroforestry they're now practicing at chateau palmer in the, the fact you see trees in the vineyard and thomas says exactly what you've just said as, mm-hmm. as to why it's beneficial for for Palmer. So if you can do it in Bordeaux, you should be able to do it anywhere, really. Um, we should leave it here, Alex, because we've been talking for quite a while, and you and I could sit and talk about wine and sustainability all day and all night, but our listeners uh, don't have all of that time, so it just remains for me to thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Uh, we'll come back to talk about tea another time, and maybe about wine another time too, but uh, for now, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you.